They're stealing in broad daylight a deep dive into an Arizona judge's outrageous decision in Kerry Lake's lawsuit against Katie Hobbs in the Arizona gubernatorial election. On this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show, on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show, welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 311 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Tuesday, December 27th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you would like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com and click on the button that says become a patron also please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode all right now let's get into this a deep dive into the lawsuit that republican gubernatorial challenger carrie lake has filed against the democrats nominee Katie Hobbs in the gubernatorial election in Arizona. I just have to mention something as a preface. I see a lot of people arguing on social media about who should be the nominee for president for the Republican Party in the fall of 2024. A lot of people are saying, hey, since they stole it from Donald Trump, He deserves to be the nominee, and let's get it right this time. A lot of other people, whether they believe they stole it from Donald Trump or not, think it's Ron DeSantis' turn. Some of the people who want Trump are like, hey, look, I'll be happy to vote for DeSantis in 2028. Good guy, like him. But let's give Trump the second term that he deserves so richly. Let's have him as the nominee in 2024. All right, I, I just I just need to tell you something here. Here's what happened. When Donald Trump listened to Fauci and Burks and said 15 days to slow the spread and then we're going to extend it another 30 days, that gave a number of states an excuse to do lockdowns and to do universal mail-in balloting and... That's how they were able to steal it from Donald Trump. If you haven't seen the movie 2,000 Mules, I highly recommend it to you. So if they don't fix what happened in Wisconsin, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, in Arizona, and probably even in Nevada, 
it's not going to matter who our nominee is in 2024 because they'll just steal it again. I mean, if if you don't understand that they stole an, an unprecedented landslide from Donald Trump in 2020, I, I can't help you. I don't know what to tell you. You know, I get it that professional uniparty politicians in Washington, D.C. are doing willful blindness, and they can't accept it. I get it that the Fox and Friends types are like, oh, no, well, Joe Biden won fair and square. Now it's come out in the New York Times that in the lawsuit against Fox News, Sean Hannity said he never believed that Trump actually had the election stolen from him in 2020. I'm not one of those guys. I'm dealing with reality here. So, I think anybody who was paying attention to the gubernatorial race in Arizona was really excited because obviously Carrie Lake was going to win. She was the one who had life to her campaign. Katie Hobbs was the one doing the Joe Biden routine of hiding away and not dealing at all with the media. Carrie Lake was the one who was having huge crowds everywhere she went in the state of Arizona. So they're in the process of trying to steal it in broad daylight, and Carrie Lake brought a lawsuit against Katie Hobbs, who, by the way, Secretary of State of the state of Arizona oversees elections, did not recuse herself even though she's running for governor. Now, I'm delighted to report that my friend Tracy Beans and her last name is spelled B-E-A-N-Z. Tracy Beans, editor-in-chief of UncoverDC.com, has had her Twitter account reinstated recently by the great Elon Musk. So I want to share with you this thread of tweets that Tracy Beans put together to get all up in the lawsuits, Carrie Lake versus Katie Hobbs in Arizona, because this is very important. Again, if you don't see what they're doing, then you're going to be surprised in 2024. I'm telling you, we got to fix these swing states so they can't steal it again. Anyway, here's what Tracy Bean says over there on Twitter. After reading this judge's order in detail, it is a useless exercise to try to counter it with evidence because he didn't use any evidence to come to his decision. What an absolute disgrace it truly is. So instead, let's talk about what the order did not address, which is much more indicative of willful ignorance on the part of the judge who even was stunned at some of what was presented as evidence by his reaction in open court. How you leave any of this out is beyond me. 
For the purposes of this thread, we are going to use the judge's interpretation of the law, which is Robert Barnes, the great January 6th attorney, Robert Barnes points out, is inherently flawed. She says, I know Carrie Lake attorneys are working on the appeal now. I am not an attorney, but I'm going to give it a go. And give it a go, she does. All right, we're going to analyze day one testimony. We're going to start with Stephen Richer, the Maricopa County recorder. He testified that when early ballots leave polling centers, no one knows how many there are. This is a problem with their process, clearly. And here's the screenshot. Question. All I want to know is, does anybody know when those ballots leave the polling centers, the voting centers, how many are in the bins? Answer. When the ballots leave, the early ballots leave the voting centers, no, they are not counted at the voting centers. Question. So nobody knows how many are in the bins when they arrive at MCTEC, correct? Correct. MCTEC, that is uh, Maricopa County Tabulation and Election Center. That's what it stands for. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Tracy Beans continues. This richer guy, okay, the Maricopa County recorder, he is asked if he recalls sending an email stating he couldn't reconcile the Secretary of State listing of votes with the amount of votes that Maricopa County received. Now, remember, Maricopa County is where Phoenix is. There are more people in Maricopa County, Arizona, than all the other counties in Arizona put together. Also, remember, they were throwing out numbers of ballots with confidence in the press. Okay? Here's a screenshot. Do you recall sending an email on the 10th to the Board of Supervisors essentially saying that you really have no idea how many ballots there are? Answer, no. You don't recall that? I do not recall that. All right. So I'm not finding it, and I want to get over this really quickly. Do you recall on the 10th of November on 2022 at 2.13 p.m. sending an email to Ray Valenzuela, Scott Jarrett, Megan Gilbertson, Matthew Roberts, Philip Mosley, as well as carbon copying Bill Gates and a few others, that states, and I'll read this verbatim if anybody wants to challenge it, quote, unable to currently reconcile Secretary of State listing with our estimates from yesterday. Do you recall sending that email? Answer, that if you say that I said that, then I said that. Oh, my goodness. Tracy Beans continues, then Richer is asked if he had anyone from his office call Runbeck, asking them how many ballots they processed. He waffles at particular terminology, standard wiggling. And she's got the screenshot also there of the standard wiggling. He is then asked 
whether or not he knows if the attorney general has opened up an investigation into the 2022 election. He replies a resounding no. That's interesting, given a letter that went out asking many questions in regard to this election. They stopped questioning him then. All right, next. Now Richer is on cross-examination, and this is not material. But he is asked about why he isn't dressed in a suit. He replies he is on his first vacation in four years, gasp, and didn't have time to get one before testimony. Remember, this was December 21st. He knew by at least December 16th of the potential for a trial. This guy's just not too good at lying, I guess. Tracy Beans continues. The above screenshots were taken from the motion to quash his subpoena and just goes to show how smarmy and shady these people are. If I had an inkling I may need to testify in a trial like this, I would have packed clothes for it or at least a nice top. They immediately start in with trying to shift blame for non-responsive public records requests. She's got the screenshot on that. He then is asked about the process for counting early votes and why they cannot be counted before they go through the process of vetting. All this is important. We're getting foundation down right now. Remember... This is cross-examination. Plaintiffs called him as a witness. So this is the defense for Katie Hobbs doing the cross. He is then asked about chief of staff. No. COS doesn't stand for chief of staff. stands for chain of custody. He's then asked about chain of custody for these ballots. He walks through the process as it should happen. But this isn't what did happen, as we will learn in just a bit. Also, he says, a bipartisan team, as Adam Carter, who was with me, through the stream said, bipartisan is page and struck. Remember the FBI agents who were cheating on their spouses? There's no bipartisan. That's, that's, in other words, a, a dark joke. Tracy Beans continues, I'm going to assume he meant one from each party, but that is being generous with the way these folks use words. You want a partisan team, one Democrat and one Republican, etc. Otherwise, you end up with Richer, who calls himself a Republican, but starts an anti-Lake political action committee. Then, Katie Hobbs' defense team asks Richer, His party affiliation, even though I don't know how it's relevant, but they brought it up and they asked him directly if he purposefully sabotaged the election. I am sure that if he did, he would have told us all just then, right? Also, they, the defense, bring up printer issues. Now, this screenshot, she's got some some highlights on, so let's, let's go into some specific verbiage here in the testimony. Thank you, recorder. Just a few more questions, and we are done. First, would you state for the record your party affiliation? 
He says, I'm a registered Republican. Okay, recorder, I'm going to ask you a very direct question. Did you personally do anything to sabotage the election, the 2022 election, including some type of activity performed on the printers to make the printers not print correctly? Answer, absolutely not. It's a very long answer, but that's that's the important part. Tracy Beans says, we produce records because it's the appropriate thing to do and we have nothing to hide. That's the, the quote from the county recorder, Richard. She says, it stands to reason then that if they did not produce records, it would be because they did have something to hide. More on this in a moment. He asks one more time about the printers. And we are on to redirect. Now, redirect is where the plaintiff, who called Stephen Richer as a witness, can ask a few follow-up questions in regard to the testimony given across examination to clean up and hammer down on anything they want. So let's check out this screenshot. Okay, Mr. Blim, coming back and redirect, says, I've just got a couple of quick questions. On redirect, Richard is asked if he opposed Carrie Lake for governor. Richard doesn't answer. Then he is asked about the Super PAC, the Political Action Committee. He started to spend money opposing Lake. He states that it is 100% false that he started said PAC. Oh, really? Let's unpack this a bit. First of all, here's the verbiage in the transcript Plaintiff's attorney, Mr. Blim, says, Recorder, isn't it true that you did not support my client in the election for governor's race? Answer. I don't believe I ever made a single public comment about Ms. Lake's candidacy or her as a person prior to November 8th, 2022. Question. Isn't it true that you ran a political action committee that was opposed and spent money opposing my client for governor? Answer, that is 100% false. Question, 100% false? Answer, correct. Thank you, and I have no further questions. All right, Tracy Bean says, let's unpack this a little bit. Exhibit A, we'll get to the generous donors in a moment, but Exhibit A, November seventeenth, 2021, Stephen Richer, Maricopa County, Recorder, personal account on Twitter, says, thanks to a few generous donors, this is now launching. Now, what is now launching? Well, he's responding to a tweet from someone named Meg Cunningham, who says, news, Stephen Richer, Maricopa County Recorder, is launching a pack to support Republicans running for non-federal Arizona offices who, quote, acknowledge the validity of the 2020 election and condemn the events of January 6, 2021 as a terrible result of the lies told about the November election, unquote. Got it? So someone named Meg Cunningham is saying that this Stephen Richard guy is starting a political action committee to support rhinos, to support people who say the Biden won fair and square. Stephen Richard responds with a tweet saying, Thanks to a few generous donors, this is now launching. Join me if you care about traditional Republican stuff, free people, free markets, rule of law, 
but also don't believe in conspiracies about the 2020 election or that January 6th was a tourist event. All right. Exhibit B is an article from the big newspaper, the Arizona Mirror. Stephen Richer creates PAC to back so-called pro-democracy Republicans. Okay? And again, the PAC will run independent expenditure campaigns in favor of candidates and GOP primaries for legislative and county level races who acknowledge the validity of the 2020 election and condemn the events of January 6, 2021 as a terrible result of the lies told about the November election, according to a press statement announcing the committee's formation. Really? So this guy's testifying under oath that it's not true. He didn't do this. Tracy Beans says, And now to the generous donor of pro-democracy Republicans, top donor was a man named Francis Najafi. Who else did Francis Najafi donate to? Because he donated 20000 to the Super PAC. Well, he spent about 174000 this cycle, a lot of it going to none other than Katie Hobbs and Act Blue and the Arizona Democrat Party. She's, she has the screenshots of all this. Is perjury a thing anymore? Or um, Anyway, back to the testimony. The next person that the plaintiff, Carrie Lake, calls, this guy named Robert Jarrett, the co-elections director responsible for tabulation, and all in-person voting, as well as warehousing, training poll workers, etc. So we'll get to that in just a moment. First of all, let me tell you, I realize if you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you. No matter where you are, Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door anywhere in the continental United States. No matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com, you will be glad you did. Now, let me tell you, 
We are so delighted to have Mike Lindell and my pillow as sponsors of the Doc Washburn Show. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dream bed sheets. I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins. I had no idea that slippers could feel this good. I don't know if Mike wants me to say this or not, but the other day, it was 15 degrees late afternoon where I live, and I needed to go buy some groceries. And I wore my my slippers moccasins with no socks, 15 degrees, and my feet did not get cold. So not only are they the best thing, the most comfortable thing I've ever put on my feet, but they're not just for around the house. You can wear them outside. They are just amazing. And we love our MyPillow towel set. They are so luxurious. And I'll tell you what, MyPillows themselves guarantee the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Mike Lindell's passion is to support American entrepreneurs and bring manufacturing back to our country for years. People approached Mike with great products but had no way of marketing them. MyStore.com is a website that Mike created to give those people a voice and a platform to bring you their amazing products made right here in the USA. MyStore.com has all kinds of great deals on automotive products, bath and beauty, books and video, clothing, decor items, food and drink, garden and patio, health, home improvement, household essentials, kitchen and dining, personal care, sports and outdoors, toys and games, and so much more. Plus, right now, you can save up to 50% on Giza Dream Sheet Sets. Get them for as little as $29.99 by using the promo code DWS. Save up to $90 on my slippers, slip-ons, and moccasins marked down to just $49.98 by using promo code DWS. And right now, get a six-piece MyPillow towel set for only $44.98 just by using promo code DWS. We are so honored to be affiliated with a great American patriot like Mike Lindell. Now, some of Mike's items are marked down up to 80% off. So make sure you use the promo code DWS to get those deals. And now, by the way, I don't want any confusion here. DWS promo code, that does not stand for Debbie Wasserman Schultz, that awful congresswoman from South Florida. No, 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 no. DWS, the promo code, what stands for Doc Washburn Show? MyPillow.com and MyStore.com. We're so proud to be affiliated with the great American patriot, Mike Lindell. Okay, back to the testimony in Carrie Lake's lawsuit against Katie Hobbs over the election that Katie Hobbs is obviously trying to steal for governor of Arizona. And the great Tracy Beans, purveyor of the website UncoverDC.com, has the play-by-play on this. She says, back to testimony. Next, plaintiff calls Robert Jarrett, 
the co-elections director responsible for tabulation and all in-person voting, as well as warehousing, training poll workers, etc. And she says, Jarrett is the man responsible for logic and accuracy testing and programming of the tabulators, etc., as well as training. This is the guy. And she has screenshots of the testimony. She says, seems like a very extensive process to make sure the tabulators are all working. Jarrett says, thousands of test ballots through the equipment to make sure they are accurately programmed to tabulate the ballots. He will get into that in more detail now. She has screenshots of all this testimony, but I kind of stop and, 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 and get into the specifics of the screenshot when I see that she's highlighted something in, in yellow. She says, because Maricopa County moved to vote centers, all 12,000 of the potential ballots need to be ready to be printed depending on what voter is voting. They call this ballot on demand. Jared testifies that they performed logic and accuracy testing before election day. Now, this testimony is very important. Now, this next line of questioning is extremely important. The question asked is, What would happen if a ballot was printed out of a ballot-on-demand printer at the vote center if it was printed with a 19-inch image on 20-inch paper and run through the tabulator? Got that question? What would happen... If a ballot was printed out of a ballot... See, because before this, the question was, how are those test ballots configured in terms of the size of the ballot? Answer. They were the exact same size of the ballot that we were using in the general election. Question. And what size was that, sir? Answer. 20-inch ballot. So then, plaintiff's attorney says, What would happen if a ballot was printed out of a ballot-on-demand printer at the vote center, if it was printed with a 19-inch image on 20-inch paper and run through the tabulator? And the answer? You need to be more specific with your question. Okay. Next question. So we talked about the ballot definition. And for the 2022 general election, Maricopa was operating with a 20-inch ballot image, correct? Answer, that's correct. And the tabulators at the vote center were programmed for to accept and read a ballot with a 20-inch image, correct? Now, at this point, Tracy Beans jumps in 
She says, Jarrett dodges the question, and defense attorneys come in to rescue. Defense actually states that to answer, he would have to speculate. We know this to be false now. He doesn't have to speculate, and Jarrett knows that. Jarrett says, we do not specifically test for that because in this specific election, because none of the ballots on our ballot-on-demand printers had a 19-inch ballot, they all had a 20-inch ballot. So I can answer a question about our testing related to the 20-inch ballot that was installed on all of our ballot-on-demand printers. Okay. Plaintiff's attorney comes back and says, if a 19-inch image was installed, or strike that, if a 19-inch ballot image was printed out on a print, a ballot-on-demand printer, and run through the tabulation that was configured for the 2022 general election, would that tabulator accept that ballot or reject it? At this point, defense attorney LaRue jumps in and says, Objection, Your Honor. First, this calls for speculation. And second, I think the witness just said he hasn't run that test. I don't. And the judge says, I got your objection. So, Tracy Beans says, well, she's got a couple of quotes from the, uh, from the next screenshot where the witness says, so I'm willing to say that I don't know specifically for this 2020 election. I know based on my historical, or the 2022 election, that is. I know based on my historical knowledge, the timing marks on the ballot matter. And it would need a 20-inch ballot to run through that tabulation equipment, but we did not specifically test a 19-inch ballot through the 2022 tabulation equipment because there was no... 19-inch ballot images installed on ballot-on-demand printers. So Tracy Beans has a couple of quotes from that. The first is, the timing marks on the ballot matter. And then then the other one was, there was no 19-inch ballot images installed on -on ballot-on-demand printers. Now, forget the fact the guy doesn't understand subject-verb agreement. Uh, That is a side issue. Tracy Beans says people with nothing to hide generally don't try this hard to pretend there weren't problems. Less than a minute after this, he will contradict himself. But he states now, I don't recall ballots, issues with ballots being rejected. This, of course, is implausible. It's made national news. For the next screenshot of his the transcript of his testimony, Tracy Bean says, Here he contradicts the answer he had just given. This large portion of testimony is about their process for forecasting turnout on Election Day and whether or not they factor in potential issues, etc. But I would like to keep focus on the 19-inch versus the 20-inch ballot image discrepancy. Okay, this next screenshot of this guy's testimony does have some yellow highlighting. Question. Okay, would a disruption such as what was experienced, I mean, would you agree with me there is a disruption on November 8th, 2022 in the election? Answer. 
I would say that we had some printers that were not printing some tiny marks on our ballots dark enough to be read in by our tabulation equipment. Voters had legal and ballot options to still be able to participate within our voting locations. So I don't agree and would not count and would not couch it as a disruption. Question. So you don't believe that what happened on November 8th was a disruption in the election process? Answer. I do not couch it as a disruption. Tracy Bean's commentary here, she says, again, here's an opportunity to address the image issue, and instead he pretends the only printing issue were some dark marks being printed on ballots that the tabulators picked up. He he doesn't think these printer issues could be couched as a disruption. This is not believable. More transcript screenshots, this time without the yellow highlighting. She says, in fact, it is so unbelievable that plaintiff spends a significant amount of time trying to get Jarrett to acknowledge that even his boss, even his boss, what his boss said about the issues on Election Day in Maricopa County, he's testifying in complete denial. It is overt. It's patently absurd. Well, I guess so. If even his boss, the supervisor of elections for Maricopa County, said there were disruptions, and this guy's saying there weren't. Okay, let's look at the next screenshot. Sir, I want to go back to the earlier question about the 19-inch ballot image being placed on a 20-inch paper. Did you hear of any reports of that occurring in the 2022 general election? Answer, I did not. Question, okay, if that occurred, would that be a failure of Maricopa County's election process? Answer, I'm not aware of it occurring, and I'd be surprised if there was a ballot on a printer that had a 19-inch ballot on it. Okay. So, in response to that, Tracy Beans says, save this, bookmark it, file it. Then, she says, Jarrett again doubles down. All right. Take a look at the screenshot. Uh, take a look at the screenshot of the uh, transcript. Question. And so I'll go back to my question again. If a 19-inch ballot image was put on a 20-inch paper in the 2022 general election, would that be a failure of your election process? Answer: It would if somehow something like that happened, which I don't know how it would. Yes, it would have been a mistake. Question: Could that have also been a deliberate act? Answer, again, you're asking me to speculate about things that I have no knowledge of occurring, so I don't know if it could have been a deliberate act or not. I don't believe that that occurred. Question, how involved are you in creating the ballot definition? Answer, so my team does, and then I overview it, and I'll review examples of those, yes. Mr. Olson, thank you, Mr. Jared. I don't have any further questions at this time. Tracy Beans says, Jared again doubles down. The wording here is very important. Take note of what I underlined in red. The words ballot image, the words which I don't know how it would. Yes, it would have been a mistake. 
and the words that I have no knowledge of occurring. She says, plaintiff asks if a 19-inch ballot image was put on a 20-inch paper. Jared says, asking me to speculate about things, no knowledge of occurring. Tracy Beans continues, Jared is then cross-examined by the defense, which is interesting because they will also be calling him as a witness. This is one of the first times that the horror of voting on Election Day is introduced to the court. Okay, let's take a look at that. Question. Thank you, Mr. Jarrett. Are you aware that one of the political parties urged their voters to forego early voting and vote in person on Election Day? Answer. Yes, I'm aware of that. Question. Okay. You're aware of that today? Answer. That's correct. All right. Were you aware of that when you prepared your analysis for the Election Day plan? Answer. No, I was not. Question. Okay. So I'm assuming that you tell me, please, this urging by a political party was not factored into your Election Day plan. Is that correct? Answer. That's correct. Okay. Thank you. Tracy Bean says, I didn't understand this line of questioning then and still think it was meant as obfuscation. I have been very careful to highlight specific words being used when questions are asked. Plaintiff was very specific multiple times, a 19-inch image on a 20-inch ballot. Okay, let's look and see what's highlighted on the transcript here. Um, now, is this is this still still the defense, or is it the redirect from the uh, plaintiff? She doesn't say, so I guess it's still the defense. Okay, and Mr. Jarrett, you testified earlier that I believe you said you did not design a 19-inch ballot for the 2022 general election. Is that correct? Answer, that's correct. Question. So if it was not designed for the 2022 general election, does it stand to reason that there would not have been a 19-inch ballot on the EMS? Answer, that's correct. Question. And if there was no 19-inch ballot on the EMS, does that also mean that there would have been no 19-inch ballot programmed into the ballot-on-demand printers? Answer, that's correct. Okay, thank you, Mr. Jarrett. She says, this is the defendant attempting to conflate two things. No one was alleging that a 19-inch ballot was designed for this election, and both of them know that. They acknowledged they knew the difference in their answers to the questions, this is a weak attempt to create confusion. Yeah, 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 we're still dealing with the defense here. Okay, next transcript, question. Okay, and Mr. Jarrett, you testified earlier. Oh, wait a minute, she's, uh, she's got the same screenshot on the, um, on the next tweet, sorry. On redirect, the plaintiffs take the election day voter insinuation, and prove that it was immaterial anyway because the forecast and the voters who showed to vote were adequate. And I'm going to take an aside here for a moment as well. Okay, so no um, no yellow highlighting on this transcript. So Tracy's going to digress here for a moment. 
I like the cut of her jib. She says, the idea that voting on Election Day is to blame for problems at the polls is so utterly contemptuous, it literally infuriates me. It isn't the first time defendants did this, and it needs to be stomped down. Election Day is just preposterous that they seem to be trying to attempt to criminalize Election Day. All right, we're again going to get the 19-inch versus 20-inch debate down and codified. This is probably one of the most important pieces of evidence at trial, and the spin placed on it needs to be addressed properly and made to go viral. I am going to do that succinctly at the end, but also in course. All right, let's look at this transcript with the yellow highlighting on it. And again, this is redirect. The plaintiff, Carrie Lake, her attorney. Counsel asked you some questions about a 19-inch ballot image being projected onto a 20-inch paper. Do you recall that I asked you questions about that? Answer, yes, I recall that. Question, do you have any idea how that could occur? Answer, I do not. Question, would it require two different ballot definitions to be installed on the EMS. Answer. Your first question asks if I have any idea how it could occur, and I said I do not. Hmm. Interesting. Question. Okay, do you know what a site book is? Answer. Yes, that's our check-in station. Now, Tracy Beans says plaintiff wanted to get on the record that the ballot definition resides in a central location on a laptop connected to the printers. Very important. And it's one of the things this judge ignored. There's no excuse for it. You'll see why as we get into uh, uh, Clay Perique here in a moment. Question. And the site book pulls up the voter, correct? Answer. Yes, it's connected to our the recorder's voter registration system through a virtual private network secure so that when a voter checks in, it pulls up their specific information and would alert our ballot on-demand printer which ballot style to print. Question. Uh-oh. I, oh, I, y'all, I can see this coming right down I-85 in North Carolina and Virginia. Y'all, I can see this coming right down I-10 through South Texas. Did did you just hear that? This guy is admitting that what they call the site book, yes, it's connected to our the recorder's voter registration system through a virtual private network secure so that when a voter checks in, it pulls up their specific information and would alert our ballot on-demand printer which ballot style to print. So somebody could program that for a Republican to print out a 19-inch image on a 20-inch piece of paper. They could. That's the implication here. I wonder if Tracy Beans is going to point this out in a minute. Question. So where does the ballot definition reside then? Answer. 
So it's on a laptop that's connected to our ballot on-demand printers. Thank you. I have nothing further. Buddy. Y'all, it just got real up in here. Not even gonna lie, fam. It just got real up in here. Now, um, we go on to our next witness here in just a moment. But it's crazy stuff going on in Arizona. Crazy. Matter of fact, sometimes I feel like the whole world's gone crazy. Got supply chain issues, record-setting inflation, sky-high gas prices, woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic. While so many little guys, small business owners, regular people were forced to close down their businesses for good. The wealthiest people on earth became better off while mom and pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? We fine-tune it. What can we do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally, we can shop factory direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. Switch to America.com is helping Americans walk away from the big box conglomerates. That is why Switch to America.com was created with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of Patriot influencers have come on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow Patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We are done with the woke globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family-owned, made in America. The website is switchtoamerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family-owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com. When it asks how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. Looking forward to speaking with you. SwitchToAmerica.com. All right, now time to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo? Are you having problems with your blood sugar? How about psoriasis? How about migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you, even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how, because this is the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. 
It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs two ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. I had pretty bad migraines, too. When I got my atlas adjusted, hay fever went away, and it's never come back. The migraines went away, too, and they didn't come back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, psoriasis, migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They have helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people that we know. Please call them to see if they can help you, too. That number again for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. Or just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. All right, now, would you like to save money on your cell phone bill? Are you paying too much money every month on your cell phone bill? Well, let me tell you how to do it. It's a company called Patriot Mobile, and they are America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important for us to band together and support companies that share our conservative values and can save us money. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage, and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veterans, first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. I'm saving money with Patriot Mobile. Now, when you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar Patriot Mobile earns is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com or... Call their U.S.-based customer service team. That's right. The customer service team is right here in America at 972-PATRIOT. Now, make sure you use the promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. And how in the world are you going to remember that promo code? Oh, yeah, that's my first name. There you go. Now, if you're a conservative-owned business tired of seeing your hard-earned dollars go to corporate woke agendas, Patriot Mobile now offers competitive business plans to suit companies of any size. Switch to Patriot Mobile Business. Learn more at business.patriotmobile.com or call their 100% U.S.-based member services team at 469-FREEDOM. Use promo code DOC, D-O-C, for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com or just call 469 Six nine freedom. Let me uh, let me get back to Tracy Bean's play by play 
on the lawsuit over the gubernatorial election in Arizona. Okay, the next plaintiff's witness for Carrie Lake's team is a guy named Clay Parikh. She says, I'm not going to thread out Clay Parikh's testimony as it relates to his extensive experience, technical knowledge, security clearances, and current and former positions. However, this portion is the first time in the trial that we hear the words root cause analysis. She has more screenshots. She says, Clay Parikh has done root cause analysis often in the past, including for the United States Army. Some of his work has actually been used in criminal cases. This sounds like it's about to get really good, y'all. She says, I want to make sure everyone is paying close attention to the testimony from here forward, including in cross-examination. If you are following this thread, remember these next several tweets. Here is how Mr. Parikh chose the ballots he wanted to examine. Read this. Okay, I'm going to read it even though we don't see any yellow highlights. Did you perform an inspection of the ballots on behalf of plaintiff in connection with an inspection pursuant to ARS 16-677? So obviously that's going to be Arizona state statute. Yes, sir, I did. And when did that inspection take place? That was just yesterday. So that would have been um, Tuesday, December 20th. And without saying what your conclusion was from that inspection, did you reach a conclusion? Answer. It confirmed my initial assumptions on the possible effects of what caused the technical issues. Yes, sir. Question. Mr. Parikh, you examined the ballots, and the inspection performed at MCTEC yesterday, correct? Again, that's a Maricopa County place where they count the ballots. Answer, yes, I was allowed to select a sampling per the request in the court's instruction. Question, did you have a plan going into that inspection with what ballots you wanted to select and inspect? Answer, yes, sir. Question, Could you describe that plan? Answer. Through a FOIA request, again, Freedom of Information Act request, the cast vote records were publicly available. I reviewed those, analyzed the data, and selected the roundness based so I could follow the court's directions for the petition. So I knew exactly what to request because it was time-consuming and Maricopa County was gracious enough to give us that time, and I wanted to use it wisely and make my decision quickly and accurately. Tracy Beans says, Clay Parikh chose ballots from six vote centers and was forced to look at duplicated ballots in some instances. This is where a lot was lost in confusion, purposefully, in my opinion, during cross-examination from the defense. And we'll have that a little bit later, but let's stick with the plaintiff right now. And were some of the ballots 
that you inspected duplicated ballots? Answer, yes, sir, they were. Question, and what are duplicated ballots? Answer, duplicated ballots are when there's an issue with the ballot and it cannot be run through the tabulation system. Therefore, it is duplicated, and then that duplication is run through the system. Question, and is that duplication then the ballot that is actually tabulated and counted? Answer, yes, sir. The way the process works is the original ballot has to have the duplication ID attached. Tracy Beans says, in his order, the judge made a lot of noise about how Clay Perique admitted that problem votes were, in fact, tabulated. He ignored the reason for the problem in the first place and completely glossed over the fact that Clay Perique testified that they lost the duplicated ballots. Oh, boy. Yeah, we better read this. Question. When you say it was no longer valid, what do you mean? Answer. The ballots had been retabulated for the recounts. Thus, they, Maricopa County, was unable to map those back. Question. And were some of the ballots that you inspected duplicated ballots? Answer. Yes, sir, they were. Question. And what are duplicated ballots? Answer. Duplicated ballots when there's an issue with a ballot and it cannot be run through the tabulation system, therefore it's duplicated, and then that duplication is run through the system. Question. And is that duplication then the ballot that is actually tabulated and counted? Answer. Yes, sir. The way the process works is the original ballot has to have the duplication ID attached. Attached to it, which Maricopa did. The part where they filled in the statute is, according to the standards, that duplication ballot is supposed to be easily relatable to the original ballot. They said they could not find, let me correct that, they could not find the duplicated ballot which was tabulated. So you inspected the original ballot that was duplicated. Answer, yes, sir. This sounds like kind of a big deal. Tracy Bean says, this is not only a huge issue with vote totals and issues there, it is a massive deal with chain of custody, and the judge just completely ignored it. Not just the judge. I'll show you where else there was an attempt to muddle this. She says, so here we have an expert witness who inspected the ballots, as per count order, testifying that not only was there an issue with the ballots themselves, we'll get there, but there's also a huge problem with chain of custody, another count in the lawsuit, and the judge ignores. All right, back to the transcript. Question. So you inspected the original ballot that was duplicated. Answer, yes, sir. Question. And do I understand correctly that under your understanding of Arizona law, is that the duplicate ballot and the original ballot are supposed to be maintained together physically? Answer. Yes, sir. That's the, e- that's the EAC requirement. That's a standard. When duplication is done. Question. And the duplicate ballot, which is the ballot that was counted. Answer. Yes, sir. Question. Was not available for you to inspect because of that. Answer. No, sir, it was not. Question, 
Why would there be, could you tell me again, why there might be a duplicated ballot situation? Tracy Beans says, here Parikh testifies that because of the issues with finding ballots and time constraints, he didn't get to do everything he wanted and was given the task of doing. This should be setting off alarm bells to any honest broker out there. Question, how long did you take to conduct your inspection? Answer, we were there all day except for a 45-minute lunch break. It took the morning because of not being able to track the selected ballots that I wanted to look at. We worked together and found the samplings, and that took all morning to get that sorted out. Question, and did you take notes contemporaneously with your inspection? Answer, yes, sir. Question, approximately how many ballots did you inspect? Answer, there were 348 that were set aside, and then there were approximately 25 because we did not finish because of the time constraint. Question, and out of that 348 that were set aside, how many were ballots printed from the that ballot-on-demand printer? Answer, in what I analyzed between the six vote centers, I specifically, and then there were the spoiled ballots that could be examined, I requested that the spoiled ballots be from those same vote centers. This allows me a more accurate response to look at a spoiled ballot and see it's the same ballot ID and the same actual ballot style as another ballot within that same voting center. The one thing that I have to point out is out of all the spoiled ballots and the duplicated original ballots, there were a total of 113 ballots examined. 48 of those existed because there was a 19-inch image of a ballot printed on 20-inch papers. At this point, defense counsel, Ms. Connor, says, Objection, Your Honor. Move to strike as non-responsive. I'm not sure what question he was answering. Judge says, Well, I don't know that it was non-responsive. I'll overrule the objection. You can cross-examine, though. Tracy Beans says, And we get our first loud objection from the defense. 48 of 113 ballots, spoil ballots, had a 19-inch image printed on a 20-inch paper. A 19-inch image printed on a 20-inch paper with no chain of custody. Tracy Bean says, remember, this was impossible and could never happen as per Jarrett. There's no way in the world you get a 19-inch image printed on a 20-inch sheet of ballot paper. Can't happen according to the earlier witness. As a matter of fact, he had not heard of this happening even once, anywhere ever, unheard of. Speculative, impossible, would be surprised if it ever occurred. Remember that now. Okay? So, next transcript. How many duplicated ballots did you inspect? 15 total. And out of that... And duplicated, again, means that the ballot was not, was rejected by the tabulation for some reason. Answer, yes, sir. It could not be tabulated either at ICP-2s 
which are at the Vote Center or the ICC at MCTEC. Okay, out of that 15, how many of those contained a 19-inch ballot image on 20-inch paper? 14. Okay, 14. What what about the other remaining? Uh, Answer, it was physically defective. It was slightly torn. So 14 out of 15 had the 19-inch ballot image on the 20-inch paper. Tracy Beans says 14 of 15 duplicated ballots were 19-inch images printed on 20-inch paper. 14 out of 15, with the only remaining ballot being slightly torn instead of a 19-inch image on 20-inch paper. Remember, there exists no chain of custody for the duped ballots. There's no way to know what they were voted. Okay, so COS stands for chain of custody, even though I'm thinking it should be COC. All right. Indeed, it does misstate the testimony, and Liddy, and y'all, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to tell you, this uh, defense attorney for Katie Hobbs is Tom Liddy. He's G. Gordon Liddy's son. I, I, I can't believe how far the apple fell from the tree. And Liddy remembers clearly because it was the moment he realized his witness was in the midst of perjury and they would need gymnastics to clean it up. Jarrett said that would be a mistake, and he was coached to use that word. So back to the plaintiff's questioning of this Perique fellow. You've heard previous testimony. Were you here for Mr. Jarrett's testimony? Yes, sir, I was. And did you hear Mr. Jarrett testify that in the November 2022 general election, a 20-inch ballot was used? Yes, sir, I did. And did you hear Mr. Jarrett testify that it would be a failure of the system if a 19-inch ballot image was projected onto a 20-inch paper? At this point, Mr. Liddy, objection, Your Honor. That misstates the, the testimony of the prior witness as to the word failure. Judge responds, I'm assuming you're going to follow up with a question for an opinion I think you can frame it as a hypothetical without arguing about. Plaintiff's attorney says, yes, Your Honor. Tracy Bean says, see, mistakes aren't intentional. They're just a big whoops on a consequential and hotly contested midterm election for governor, U.S. House, Secretary of State, Attorney General, U.S. Senate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so so forth. Just a big old whoopsie. All right, now, next transcript where Clay Perique says, because the settings and the configurations and the procedures that are used cannot allow that. These are not a bump up against the printer and the settings changed. They are security configurations. I have reviewed the evidence, and the printers are configured via script, which by any large organization that has to do multiple systems is a standard. This takes away the human error of somebody miscoding in the instructions either on the printer. And Tracy Beans has a quote from the transcript. Would there be any way for this to happen by accident? No, sir. Why? 
I review the evidence, and the printers are configured by script. Full stop. This was completely ignored in the judge's order, as though it never happened. Tracy Bean says, Clay Perique testifies that this would likely cause a paper jam error, even if there was no paper in the machine. He interviewed a tech who experienced this very thing. And we have extensive documentation of that in the next screenshot of the transcript. She says, again and again, could this have been an accident? Could it be a mistake? On and on, the answer is always a very firm and definitive no. It could not be an accident. It could not be a mistake. It was intentional. He also testified he witnessed many more like this as ballots were shuffled. Is there any way you could be wrong about this? No, sir. There are only two ways it could happen, and I would need to forensically examine to figure out which of the two it was. Okay. So, now we move on to the cross-examination, and Tracy Beans says, I would like to get to the heart of the matter with cross, but would be remiss if I didn't mention that first, Clay Perique was questioned about who paid him, then about the Lindell Cyper Symposium, and then about the fact that he referred to a state records request as a FOIA incorrectly, and that somehow means he doesn't pay attention to detail. Defense is asking about the lack of duplicated ballots for the 19-inch image ballots, Please note, he was talking directly to Jarrett about this, the same Jarrett who said, this didn't happen. This is unbelievable. Check it out. I believe you testified that you examined some ballots that have been duplicated. Is that correct? Yes. And you testified that you examined the originals, but not the duplicates. Is that correct? That's correct. And you examined... And you testified that the duplicates were not kept next to the duplicates. They were not kept next to the originals, that is. Is that correct? That's correct. They're supposed to be traceable and easily identifiable. Mr. Jarrett said that he would have to get his text busy and would take them over a week to try and find them. That's your recollection of what Mr. Jarrett said? That is what Mr. Jarrett said. And if the ballots, the originals and the duplicates, were in the boxes right next to each other, would that surprise you? Tracy Bean says, "This here is where it all goes south with a misrepresentation, and plaintiffs object as such. Defense won't let him finish his statement. He obviously means that the duplicates should be there. I don't recall him ever testifying. Jarrett said it would take six hours, and this is a mess. Okay, so here's what it says. Clay Perique says, The duplicates that I was shown because they were duplicated were part of one of the vote centers. And he opened both those boxes, and two, because they couldn't identify some of the original duplicates, they had to run and count them so they could try to map them back to which site they belonged to. Defense question. So that's your recollection 
of what Mr. Jarrett said when you asked to see the originals of the duplicates? Answer, no. Question. That's a detail that's important. You're telling this court that when you asked Mr. Jarrett to view the duplicates of the originals, that he told you it would take six hours? Answer. To clarify, I did not ask to see duplicates. They were part of the vote center, and they provided the entirety of what they have for the vote center. They could not provide what was. Thank you, Mr. Parikh. I think the important point, and I want to ask you this to make sure that I understand it correctly, is that you did not ask to see the duplicates. Plaintiff's attorney, objection, misstates his prior testimony, argumentative. Judge says, this is cross, just for reference, on all cross. If he doesn't understand the question, he can have it rephrased. But particularly with an expert witness, I think he's capable of answering. If you don't understand, you can have him rephrase. If you do understand, you can go ahead and answer. Would you like the question restated to you? Tracy Beans says, here Parikh attempts to explain what he meant, and Liddy interrupts him mid-sentence so that he is not able to explain what he meant. Liddy wants to obfuscate the chain of custody issue here as much as possible. I don't know where he got this six hours thing. He testified he was told it was a week, not six hours. That's right. So, Tom Liddy, question, Mr. Parikh, is it your recollection that when you asked Mr. Jarrett to see the duplicates and the originals that he told you it would take six hours to get them? Answer, one, I did not ask to see them. They were questioned. That's the answer to my question, Mr. Parikh. You did not ask to see them. Parikh, your honor, if I may, judge, wait, there's just your counsel will have redirect. Parikh, yes, sir. Judge, so just answer his questions. Witness, yes, sir. I just want to state we were following. Judge says, wait. Liddy says, I have another question if it's appropriate. Judge says, please. Liddy says, you've testified that you have a working theory that some of the ballots for the 2022 general election were on 20-inch paper but were printed at 19 inches. Is that correct? Answer, 19-inch image printed on 20-inch paper. It is not a theory. Liddy, okay. So it was 20-inch paper. The ballot was 20 inches, correct? Parikh, the paper was 20 inches. Liddy, and the image was 19 inches, according to your testimony, correct? Parikh, the ballot image was 19 inches, yet. Yes. Liddy, are you familiar with a shrink-to-fit setting on a printer? Parikh, yes, I am. Liddy, could a shrink-to-fit setting account for some of the ballots you observed being 19 inches on 20-inch paper? Parikh, that is a possibility, but it would violate the configuration settings they had for the voting system and the tabulators. Liddy, and you've testified that you're familiar with the election process. Parikh, yes, sir. Liddy, and you testified that if one were to take a 20-inch ballot that's shrunk to 19 inches and put it into a vote center precinct tabulator, it would not get tabulated. Parikh, it would not get tabulated at any tabulator. Tracy Beans says, 
And this is where we begin to see the shrink-to-fit explanation Maricopa County comes up with for the thing that never happened ever. Remember? The other guy said it could never happen? The 19-inch image on a 20-inch paper. Parikh explains why this is not plausible and how even if it were, it would break their procedure and protocol. Now, the interaction we're about to thread is the only thing the judge took from the testimony we have reviewed so far. It is absurd because Parikh already testified there was no chain of custody for the duped ballots. Liddy, so if it went down to central, according to your understanding, and was tried to run through the tower tabulators, it would also not be tabulated. Is that correct? Parikh, that is correct. Liddy, and you've just testified that you observed some duplicated ballots. Is your understanding that a ballot that cannot be tabulated by a precinct-based tabulator and cannot be tabulated by a tower-configurated tabulator at Central would then be duplicated? Parikh, it would have to be because it wouldn't be tabulated, so it would require duplication. Tracy Bean says for the next screenshot of a transcript, there's a back and forth between Liddy and Parikh here, and it gets complicated. Liddy is asking Parikh to answer a question whose premise is not technically possible, and Parikh can't answer it. So I'm going to spare you um, the actual words of that. Tracy Beans then says, cross-examination ends this way. Redirect is next, and then I'm going to move to day two and Jarrett on the stand again. Cross-examination ends this way. All right, so let's see how it ends. Lydia is saying, and after duplication, what would happen to that ballot? Parikh. The duplicated ballot, which is supposed to be marked with a specific ID, and that ID must be recorded on the original. And I saw those stickers on the originals. Liddy, the question is, what would happen to that ballot? Parikh, then the ballot would be rerun through the duplicated ballot, would be run through the tabulator. Liddy, so it would be tabulated. Is that your testimony? Parikh. The duplicated ballot would be tabulated. Yes, it should be. Liddy. Okay, so if a voter walked into a vote center on election day, filled out a ballot, maybe had a shrink-to-fit setting on it so it wouldn't be counted on the tabletop, would go into door number three, goes on down to MCTEC. They put it into a tower, tabulator. It doesn't get counted, and then it gets duplicated, and then it gets counted, so that voter's ballot was voted and tabulated. Is that your understanding? Parikh, but you started, you started, Liddy. Is that your understanding? Parikh, your honor, I can't answer the question the way he asked the question because it's inaccurate. Judge. Judge says, if you don't understand, you can't say I don't understand, and he can, oh, if you don't understand, you can say I don't understand, And he can rephrase it so you can understand. But if you don't like the way it's phrased, that's something that your counsel has to clear up. Parikh, yes, sir. Your Honor, if I may address the court. Oh, boy. So we don't see what happens there. But the next sheet I have, Lydia's like, 
talking about somebody who chooses to show up on election day, gets a ballot from a ballot-on-demand printer, and somebody either intentionally or inadvertently has hit the shrink-to-fit setting, and this 20-inch ballot paper comes out 19 inches. This voter fills it out. Carrie Lake, wanting her bid to be next governor, throws it into the precinct tabulator. It comes out, goes into door number three, goes down to MCTEC. The much more sensitive tabulators, according to you, it would not count it. It would then go to duplication. It would be duplicated. Then it would be tabulated. Is that your understanding of the elections in Maricopa County? Parikh, your technical description is not possible. Liddy, I apologize. I wasn't attempting to give a technical description. I was just saying what happens. Parikh, my testimony is that a shrink-to-fit setting would rely at the application level, which would reside on the EMS, which Mr. Jarrett just testified sends the print job to the printer. Therefore, it can't be accidental as all the employees that man the EMS are trained. Liddy, whether it's accidental or inadvertent, Parikh, I gave the two options, sir. Liddy, please allow me to ask the question, and I'll allow you to answer. Whether it's accidental or inadvertent, and let's see, it says here, are duplicated ballots tabulated Maricopa County General Election 2022? Parikh. If they are duplicated correctly and they are configured correctly, yes, they should be. Boy, this Parikh guy, I like him. So Tracy Beans says, okay, it's it's going to redirect now. It's going back to the plaintiff's attorney. And I told you it's going to be deep dive, didn't I? Redirect focuses first on the integrity of a ballot. The defense was attempting to minimize a duplication. It isn't a small thing. You're relying on someone to accurately transpose your vote onto a new ballot because of their mistake, and they didn't even keep chain of custody on them. So, plaintiff's attorney is asking about the duplication being transposed onto a 20-inch ballot. Parikh says, as the duplicated ballot? Question, yes. In other words, if you had a 19-inch image on a 20-inch paper, the original image, and then the ballot is duplicated and run through the scanner, could the duplicated ballot be brought up to a 20-inch image or answer? Yes, it should be if the ballot was originally a 20-inch ballot, the blank ballot that would bring that they would bring to put the votes, transfer the votes to would be 20 inch. So yes, it would be, it would be tabulated. Question. It would necessarily be moved to a 20 inch image in order to be tabulated. Answer. Yes, that's the only way it could be tabulated. Question. Yes, and at the point of duplication, anything could happen to alter or not the original ballot. Answer. Yes. And at the point of duplication, oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, the, so the answer is, let me, let me do the whole question because they left off part of it. And at the point of duplication, anything could happen to alter or not the original ballot, correct? If you're duplicating a ballot, answer yes. 
What's to stop somebody from altering the ballot from its original? Here comes defense attorney. Objection, Your Honor. My apologies. This is beyond the scope of direct and cross, I believe. He's asking for new opinions that he never offered. And plaintiff's attorney says, Your Honor, if I may, Mr. Liddy is the one who brought up duplication. And then... Well, that's where it cuts off. So next question, Mr. Parikh, Mr. Liddy asked you if you had asked for the duplicated ballots, and you said in the beginning of your testimony is that you had asked Mr. Jarrett and were given an answer that there was no way to trace. And then subsequent to that, when you were asked the question again, you said you did not ask. What was the distinction that you were drawing in terms of asking for the duplicated ballots? And Parikh says, I thought Mr. Liddy was asking me if I had planned on, if it was in my plan of what I selected and wanted to see as far as the sample size, and I did not plan that. I did not plan that. It was made clear there was time taken to ensure that all the inspectors were aware of how the process would be, the amounts we were allowed, and all that. And they were provided to us. And when they were, I did ask where the duplicates were, but that was part of the court order process to look at those. Yes. Question. And when you, so that the record is clear, when you asked for the duplicated ballots while you were there at MCTEC, and what was the, who did you ask again? Mr. Jarrett? Answer. Mr. Jarrett. Yes. Now, what Tracy Bean says about this, now plaintiff clears up the you didn't ask for duplicates line of questioning. It technically was already spelled out in the process. It was all supposed to have been handled. He did ask for the duplicates, but Liddy didn't let him finish. He asked Jarrett. So we go back to redirect here from the plaintiff's attorney. And what was his response? He said that they would have to get technicians and it would take up to a week to trace that down. Okay. And you heard Mr. Jarrett testify that there was no way that a 19-inch image was placed on 20-inch paper in the November 2022 general election, correct? Yes, sir. And is there any way that a 19-inch ballot image placed on 20-inch paper in this election in Maricopa County, whether it was tabulated by the vote center tabulator or not, or whether or the tabulators at MCTEC, that that 19-inch ballot image would be accepted by the tabulator? Answer, there is no way a 19-inch image on 20-inch paper could be accepted by the tabulator. Tracy Beans says this is ignored by the judge. And then she says Parikh examined early votes as well. There were no 19-inch images on 20-inch paper with early voting. It did not happen, only with print-on-demand. Now, next we have what Tracy Bean says is the most important testimony of it all so far because it completely obliterates the defense's fit-to-page, shrink-to-fit excuse. If there is only a 20-inch ballot image, and only 20-inch paper, shrinking the 20-inch ballot image to fit a 20-inch paper would have done 
nothing. So let's read the testimony on redirect of Clay Parikh, the expert witness. Should there ever be, as Mr. Liddy characterized, a shrink-to-fit ballot that comes out for some people's ballots and not others? Answer. I'm here to state the technical scientific facts. I gave the options. Mr. Liddy's assumptions of a shrink-to-fit is inaccurate, and to boot, or to further on add, that if the ballot definition is 20 inches, and you print it on 20-inch paper, shrink-to-fit will do nothing. The margins will be exactly the same as they are on a regular ballot, and they should be tabulated. But what he referred to can not happen. The only other technical possibility for that happening is if somebody messed with the print. Drivers and made, even though 20-inch paper was loaded, made the printer think it was 19 inches, and that would cause the shrink to fit. Those are the only technical, that's the only technical option that would address Mr. Liddy's scenario. Thank you, Mr. Parikh. No further questions, Your Honor. Tracy Beans says, the only other way their explanation would be possible is by malfeasance. She says, I'm now going to move on to day two testimony of Jarrett, and we're going to place his day one and day two testimony side by side. I'm going to end with this because it sums up everything. You should be able to just share these tweets and make a clear and convincing argument. People who have nothing to hide don't lie on the witness stand. People who have nothing to hide don't neglect to share information that would be helpful to testimony when directly asked. So, we got Jarrett on day one versus Jarrett on day two. All right? On day one. Sir, I want to go back to the earlier question about the 19-inch ballot image being placed on a 20-inch paper. Did you hear of any reports of that occurring in the 2022 general election? Answer, I did not. Okay, if that occurred, would that be a failure of Maricopa County's election process? Answer, I'm not aware of it occurring, and I'd be surprised if there was a ballot on a printer that had a 19-inch ballot on it. Okay, that was day one. Day two. A few of the other items that we've identified, though, as far as our ballot-on-demand printers we did identify three different locations that had a fit-to-paper setting that was adjusted on Election Day. So those were at our Journey Church in a North Glendale, Peoria area that had about 200 or a little over 200 ballots, had that setting on it out of about 1,500 ballots, voted that voting location. That would be the same with our Gateway Fellowship Church, which is an East Mesa voting location, that had about 900 ballots out of just shy of 2,000 ballots voted at that voting location. And then we had the LDS Church, Lakeshore, in the heart of Tempe, that had about 60 ballots out of 1,500. So day one, he's saying, nope, didn't happen, didn't hear anything about it. Day two, he's like, well, it happened in these places. Let's do some more day one versus day two. 
Again, day one, he's saying, nope, nope, nope. Day two, though, he says, we do not specifically test for that because in this specific election, because none of the ballots on our ballot-on-demand printers had a 19-inch ballot. They all had a 20-inch ballot. So I can answer a question about our testing related to the 20-inch ballot that was installed on all of our ballot-on-demand printers. Question, if a 19-inch image was installed, or strike that, if a 19-inch ballot image was printed out on a print, a ballot-on-demand printer, and run through the tabulation that was configured for the 2022 general election, would that tabulator accept that ballot or reject it? At this point, plaintiff's attorney, objection, Your Honor. First, this calls for speculation, and second, I think the witness just said he has not run that test. I don't, and the judge says, I got your objection. Question, well, I was asking you, is 19 inches smaller than 20 inches? It is, isn't it? Sure. Answer, yes. So when I said, you know, asked you questions about a 19-inch ballot image being imprinted on a 20-inch piece of paper, and you denied that that happened in the 2022 general election, did you not think it would be relevant to say, hey, by the way, you know, there was this fit-to-print image issue that we discovered? Yes, I recall that there was not a 19-inch ballot definition in the 2022 general election. But that wasn't my question, sir. I asked you specifically about a 19-inch ballot image being imprinted on a 20-inch piece of paper. So are you changing your testimony now with respect to that? Answer, no, I'm not. I don't know the exact measurements of a fit-to-paper printing. I know that it just creates a slightly smaller image of a 20-inch image on a 20-inch paper ballot. Question, slightly smaller image. How come you didn't mention that yesterday? Oh, boy. Tracy Beans says he neglected to say anything about this. They're in the middle of a root cause analysis. They didn't inform the public. They didn't admit it under direct questioning and committed perjury on the stand. So the attorney says, and again, you did not mention this in your testimony yesterday, did you? Answer, I did not. Question, did you publish anywhere that there was this shrink-to-fit issue after the election? Answer, I believe not. Question. So you didn't tell the public, hey, we've discovered, I mean, you're performing your root cause analysis and you find out that there was this shrink to fit issue that gave rise to problems in the tabulators and you did not inform the public about this? He says, does it say fit to print issue was the cause or words to that effect on those forms? Answer, it actually is using the term shrink to fit, not fit to shrink. Question, shrink to fit, shrink to fit, and was that determined to be the cause, or is that uh, was that an assumption as a possibility? Answer, it was determined to be the cause for those three voting centers. Tracy Bean says, the 19-inch ballot image on a 20-inch paper disenfranchised more than 17,000 voters in Maricopa County and there was no way it could have happened if it were not intentional. The judge glossed over this completely. I am awaiting Carrie Lake's appeal. And then she says, 
the journalism we do at UncoverDC.com, UncoverDC.com, will always be freely available for everyone. If you appreciate the work we do and want to help us keep the lights on, consider a one-time hat tip at UncoverDC.com slash donate. She says, we will continue our coverage of this important case. Addendum. I wanted to point out that Jarrett also testified that this issue of 19-inch on 20-inch paper happened in the last two elections as well because, as Jarrett said, it never happened and he'd have to speculate to opine about what it would mean if it did. So, he's perjuring himself. He is perjuring himself. And the judge ruled against Kerry Lake and just ignored everything. Just ignored everything. That's um, it's very troubling. And I certainly hope that uh, Kerry Lake gets justice, gets her day in court at a higher court. Tracy Beans has another update. And this is from the evening of Tuesday, December 27th. She says, here's what I've learned today. The left is really nervous about the governor's race in Arizona. I know this because they are obsessed with spamming my tweets proclaiming Katie Hobbs won. If they were so sure, they would ignore it and move on by. Oh, you know what? It's that time again. It is time to say, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Your Way. RedRiverYourWay.com. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. Believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice. The way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door. Anywhere in the continental United States of America. This is a two-parter. A guy named Miguel has a start of the tweet of the day. He says, if you get a tweet from someone new who says, contact some user to fix your account, please don't be so dumb as to believe that, okay? They may even say, I've used him and he's trustworthy. Give me a freaking break. Block those people. They're scam artists. Well, the second part of the tweet of the day is my response. I said, I appreciate your concern for your fellow man. Your heart is in the right place. But the problem is so many people on Twitter believe everything everybody says. Here is an example. So there's a guy on Twitter named Ricky Doggin. And Ricky said that Ray Epps, the guy who was urging everybody to go into the Capitol on January 6, 2021, and he must be a Fed because they won't prosecute him, even though they prosecute people for much less than that. Ricky Doggin said, hey, 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 we found out that Ray Epps, he made eight phone calls to Nancy Pelosi's office on January 6, 2021. And he said, we found out because we uh, did a FOIA, Freedom of Information Act request. And so I was fascinated by how many people were going, Man, we got it. She needs to be prosecuted. Well, look, I have no doubt that Ray Epps was in touch with Nancy Pelosi's office. I'm not doubting that at all. 
but members of Congress are not subject to Freedom of Information Act requests. So this Ricky, what's his name here? Ricky Doggin guy just lying. I guess, guess he got upset with me for pointing it out because he blocked me. But hardly, in, I, I went to all these people, so many people that were responding to his tweet, being so excited about it, saying, hey, um, members of Congress are not subject to Freedom of Information Act, so Ricky's lying, and hardly any of them responded to me. Why? Because a lot of people are going to believe what they want to believe, number one. And number two, as a great man once said, it is so much harder to persuade someone that he has been fooled than to fool him in the first place. It's a lot easier to fool somebody than to make him understand that he's been fooled. And that is our Tweet of the Day, brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Thank you very much, Mitch Ward. We appreciate it. You've been listening to Episode 311 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers. But they love us, and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the 10th. And that's the way it is. Tuesday, December 27th, 2022.